It's not to say you need to become vegetarian. This is not a campaign for veganism or vegetarianism in any way. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to a protein-packed episode of our podcast. Today's away mission involves the humble food source of beans and how it could be a better answer to everything than 42. Our guest is from the Bezos Earth Fund, and he encourages us to think beyond coffee beans and cocoa beans as he spills the beans in this beantastic episode. Okay, enough with the puns before we enter cringe territory and you click away. I'm your host, Lisa Ann Pinkerton. I own the award-winning climate tech PR firm, Technica Communications, and I help all genders in this space by leading women in clean tech and sustainability. If you're enjoying our show, please ask yourself this simple question. Would I give the Earthlings 2.0 podcast five stars? If you answered yes, please go to your podcast app right now. Don't worry, we'll wait. We'll be here when you get back and give us a gift of a review. This will help others find the show. Or, you know, if you don't want anybody to find the show and you want to keep our little secret to yourself, then obviously don't leave us a review. But I hope that you enjoy the show enough that you would want to share it with others. You can also go to our show notes and check out our YouTube channel. And if you're in a financial position to support the show, please click on the link in our show notes and become a Patreon member. Every one of you counts. While the magic of beans might not secure you some golden eggs, Increasing their consumption across the global population could have some tremendous second and third order effects, and that spans agriculture, decarbonization, water use, not to mention our health. To reach the Beans is How ambitious goal of doubling global bean consumption by 2028, we get to make beans ubiquitous across global cuisines, especially in regions where meat consumption dominates the protein category. That's why the Bezos Earth Fund's Andy Jarvis joined the SDG2 Bean Science and Innovation Advisory Council. That's the brain trust behind SDG2's Beans is How initiative. SDG2 is an advocacy hub that coordinates global campaigning and advocacy to achieve sustainable development goal two. And that's the one that to end hunger, achieve food security, improve nutrition, and promote sustainable agriculture. Andy Jarvis is the director of the future of food for the Bezos Earth Fund. We caught up with him at his home in Colombia. Basically, beans is how is the answer to life, the universe, and everything else. Uh, it's I just think it's a very elegant. It's not forty-two. It's not forty-two. <laughs> beans is how, right? And and it's it's a very elegant way of answering difficult questions that we get. So as consumers, everyone on the planet is a consumer of food. And you get the question, you know, the consumers are asking, how can I, what should I eat to be good for the planet, for myself, for my health, for, you know, for farmers themselves and so on. And it's a difficult question. And, and most of the time, people are very good at saying what you shouldn't do. And that's not great for influencing uh, consumer behavior and inspiring people. And so beans is how is actually the, the, what you should do. It's the answer to so many of the questions. How can I solve the climate crisis with what I eat? 
Beans is how, you know, how can I access much better nutrition? Beans is how, you know, how can we fix the soil and, and, and uh, consume less water with what we eat? Beans is how. And so that's really, I just think it's a very simple message, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. How much bean consumption do we have currently now globally? I'm sure it varies by region and culture and cuisine. So, so what is the, the baseline that we're looking at today? One of the reasons why beans is very important is that it's actually everywhere. One way or another, people eat beans. And we kind of look at beans as a broad, it's really pulses. So it's beans, lentils, chickpeas, all of these kind of pulses. So we look at it kind of more broadly. The, the, the bottom line with it is it is consumed everywhere. But yes, it's very different. The global average is 21 grams per person per day, right? hard to kind of put that into perspective but it varies a lot africa is the 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 real front uh runner in this there there it's 34 grams so they're almost eating double what the the global average is somewhere like um in east asia it's one gram per day per capita per person um but to put it into perspective right in in europe it's four grams which is very little right Mm-hmm. And, and the and so 21 grams, I did some quick calculations while you were talking. It seems to be like an eighth of a cup for the Americans out there. And that would just be what we're eating now on average. But as you say, in certain regions of the world, it's going to be significantly less. And, and I'm curious to know if we want to increase the bean consumption, where should we be putting our focus on in the future? Are there certain regions of the country we want to focus on? Are, are you thinking globally, broadly? What's your, what's your take here? So, and, and just to give you the stat on North America, so North America consumes 11 grams right now. So that's half of what the global average is. So North America is kind of below, below where, it, um, where it should be. Um, um, so, I mean, what we want to achieve with this is global impact. We want to double bean consumption globally. Um, and that needs to happen in every country, in every region. And everyone has, you mentioned culture. Culture is really important. You know, I'm, I'm British, right? You know, the Brits, we eat uh, baked beans for breakfast, right? That's actually where we get our bean intake is with those, you know, baked beans and then with all sorts of other things like bacon, which are not the answer to everything necessarily. Um, <laughs> But uh, we have um, in Africa, for example, it's beans in, you know, for lunch and dinner and um, uh, cooked from, from dry beans. And it's very different everywhere you go, right? Um, and so we need a global doubling. And I can see how encouraging more bean consumption, especially in more developed countries, could you could kind of butt up against sort of a, you know, eating meat as your primary source of protein, you know, can seem, you know, as if you're in a, have a certain stature economically. So how do you think we can overcome this in, in a developed, in the developed countries? No, absolutely. I mean, and this is, this is the challenge. It's stagnated. The consumption has stagnated and it's going down actually in, in, in many regions, mm -hmm. especially in developed uh, uh, countries. So one of the problems is, is accessibility and ease. You know, we've moved into convenience in terms of what we eat. Um, cooking beans is not as easy as, you know, just warming something up in the microwave or, you know, frying an egg or whatever. Um, so, um, you know, there's a convenience factor in this. But then there's also this kind of cultural uh, thing that is pretty universal that, you know, as you have money, 
um, you buy meat and you get your protein instead of coming from pulses, you get your protein coming from meat. And it's kind of seen as a, you know, it's associated with wealth. So that's really what we need to break is that, that, that mentality that, that, that I have money, I have disposable income, I can, I can buy a bigger steak and eat less beans and get all my protein now from, from meat. Um, and that's not just in developed countries. That's also a very strong cultural phenomenon in Africa as well. So, so what would you say to someone who, who didn't even consider beans as a part of their, their protein intake? Um, how, would you, how would you reframe that for them? It depends what you're interested in, right? If you're looking at uh, uh, climate, for example, uh, for one gram of protein, it takes 250 times more emissions to get that from meat, red meat, than it does from beets. So you can get your protein with one 250th of the climate emissions uh, if, you, if you consume a bean instead, right? That's if you're on the sustainability side of things. You know, if you're looking at, uh, if you're concerned about health and nutrition, there's zero cholesterol, there's zero fat, there's plenty of fiber, there's plenty of protein, and there's also all sorts of micronutrient stuff, right? In Africa, there was a study by Cornell that showed that um, uh, young girls and adolescents who were eating beans and particularly eating biofortified beans that had a bit more zinc and iron in them um, were basically smarter. Their, their cognitive capacities went up. Um, so, so, you know, by eating beans, you're not only kind of just being health, healthy in terms of, you know, your body getting the nutrients and things, but you're feeding your brain. You're feeding your cognitive capacity. And, and that, I think, is incredibly powerful. You know, if you think about how humans have evolved on this planet over the eons, we were we were hunter gatherers and foragers before we were uh, before the agricultural um, uh, developments. So we were, and so beans and nuts and other types of um, of of nutrients that we could find out foraging is what we our bodies evolved on before we started raising animals for protein. And so it would make sense to me that the body would be better attuned to um, uh, uh, to gaining its nutrients and leveraging those nutrients from beans versus meat. Our bodies are basically adapted from thousands of years ago. And you know, meat was there, an absolute luxury, the kind of thing that every now and again you'd be able to catch and eat. Um, but the vast majority of our, yeah, as, as you rightly pointed out, um, came from hunter-gatherer and um, from gathering, foraging beans and cereals and so on and so forth. And so, so, so yeah, this is much more bioavailable for our bodies. It's much easier for our bodies to, to, to extract the nutrients that we need. But the other thing is we have a health crisis from what we're eating and so many of of um, you know the excess amounts of calories and cereals and carbohydrates and fats that we're getting from 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 other things is is really I mean it's it's creating not just global obesity but I mean diabetes you name it heart disease all of this is because of what we're eating and our bodies are simply not evolved to eat what we're currently eating in our diets um, and so again let's keep on the positive though how do you change that well beans is how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is um, this is fascinating to me because um, your website, you know, it, it talks about how you want to double bean consumption uh, globally by twenty twenty eight, which um, isn't that far away. So, so how did you pick that number to double the bean consumption as your goal, and how did you pick that date? 
<laughs> Those are great questions. Uh, it's a lot easier to say double than, you know, multiply by 1.83. Um, uh, so double's a nice, a nice round number. We think it's achievable. It's not a massive amount of, uh, uh, of, of increasing consumption. You're, you're starting on a low baseline. Doubling should be easy. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the first thing, but also, it's just very, uh, it's, it's an untapped kind of area of work. You have consumers who are increasingly worried about what they're eating, be it for health benefits, be it for the planet. And, um, they are asking, you know, what can we do to, 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 to eat better? And, uh, and we think it's highly achievable to doubling this. And if we do it by 2028, we have the sustainable development goals by 2030. Um, uh, the, 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 the amazing thing with the numbers of this is, if you do double bean consumption, and that displaces some more harmful things that we are eating for our source of protein, for example, you're having planetary level impacts. We are drastically reducing greenhouse gas emissions. We are reducing the footprint of agriculture on the, on the planet. We're reducing heart disease on a, on a global scale. And so, so it, it, it's, Sounds small, but it has enormous impacts if we do achieve that doubling. And we'll do it before 2030 when these SDGs are, 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 are set for. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned we've talked a little bit about climate change. And, and in some of our previous episodes, we've explored how food yields, uh, uh, agricultural yields are expected to be lower as the planet continues to warm. Um, have has have you done any research into how um, beans uh, might be affected with uh, the rising temperatures of the planet? Are they going to be more resistant, resilient, or would they would they also have lower yields of growth? I mean, like all basically all agriculture is going to suffer from uh, climate change. It's farmers and uh, their crops and their animals that are out there on the front line, really feeling you know, feeling the first impacts of climate change. And you ask any farmer, they complain about the climate, that it's crazy, that it's unpredictable, that it's too hot, that they've suffered from droughts, floods, you name it. Um, so like all crops, basically, beans will uh, will be impacted. There's a lot of effort to do, um, for example, um, drought-tolerant beans are getting developed, heat-tolerant beans are getting developed, just like for all crops. So yes, the impacts uh, will be there. Um, but beans does some things that will actually build up resilience for farms as well. And so beans and pulses come with their legume crops. Legume crops are capturing um, nitrogen and putting it into the soil. And so you're, you're actually increasing soil health through uh, production of beans. You're using less fertilizers, which is they need less fertilizers, which makes it a productive system that is much more sustainable, but also they're very kind and remediate and improve soil health. And when you have a healthy soil, you're also more, more resilient to climate impacts. Okay, so if we want to double bean consumption by 2028, 20, 20, and, you know, in, in certain regions around the world, we're eating very little beans, <laughs> um, how are we going to encourage people to eat more beans? Frankly, most I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a generalist, but it seems like every generation um, cooks less than the generation before, or understands how to, or feels more confident cooking. Uh, how can we overcome some of these social challenges? Like, what are you doing with your campaign to encourage more bean consumption? 
Yeah, so we have, I mean, we're really kind of doubling down on multiple, multiple fronts. We've, we've developed this uh, theory of change for the Beans is How campaign. Kind of outlines how, how are we going to double this uh, by 2028? Yeah, one is looking directly on consumers and it's, uh, you know, a changing consumer behavior. And we can, we can do that on multiple fronts. One is looking at um, celebrity chefs. Um, second is restaurants. You know, every restaurant from um, McDonald's up to, um, you know, the, the Michelin star restaurants, you know, you can have bean forward menus where beans are on the menu, first of all, but they're, they're also higher up on the menu. The third is retail, right? So for consumers, make beans more visible. You know, it's it's very subliminal, but what happens in supermarkets, the positioning of products is absolutely critical for defining what you buy. And, um, you know, and so we need to be thinking novel uh, about how retail can be going bean forward, you know, putting beans much more visible in the places where people are likely to find it. I mean, the, the, the real challenge here is, is getting the next generation, you know, changing this kind of per, per, perceptive of moving away from beans as you have more disposable income into, into beans being the sexiest dish you can serve up your friends when you, when you try and impress them, right? You know, on the first date, get the beans in there and, and, and you're away, right? But so, um, you know, there it's also working with youth and that, that starts in schools. And so looking at, uh, at getting beans regularly into um, um, school feeding, right? So that's on the consumer side, but there's all sorts of policy stuff that can be done as well from the private sector and from governments as well. So we're looking, you've got the procurement issue, procuring more beans, getting those on school feeding and into, into diets there. Subsidies, and that is a major issue. Uh, it's very political, very controversial, but but um, that, that's the role of government. They should be forward-leaning on the things that are good for society. So that's, you know, that's one. And the other is supply chain. So, you know, a lot of things, we're, we've, we've got a food system that has evolved into um, a situation where we rely on far too few products. So if we're thinking into the future, 2028, it's about five years away that we want to double bean consumption. How can we break it down for folks? Should they... Think about having, uh, like, how many bean forward dishes might you want to have a week? Or how would you want to integrate beans into your current dishes? Like, what what's a benchmark for people? Uh, that's a great question. And it very much depends on where you are and kind of current uh, patterns. But, I, you know, if you are putting beans, you know, having a bean recipe, uh, eating beans, as a, you know, not just as a kind of a few beans scattered on something, but actual, you know, a bean dish that where bean is a bit of a headline feature on it. If you're doing that twice a week, you, we're winning. That's, that's a great benchmark. Just, just, you know, do it twice a week with that. Um, you know, and, and any more, even better, right? I mean, uh, you know, you can, you, you can have, uh, beans in salads. You can have beans as casseroles and stews. You can have beans in your, burritos you can have it you know it can come in so many forms and just integrate it in and so yes it it you know one thing is doubling beans which is great but it will really have major outcomes on your health and on the planet if that's displacing uh, uh consumption especially of red meat you know in the u.s for example consumption of red meat right now is second in the world 37 kilos per capita per um uh, per year, that's that's a huge amount. It's doing you harm. It's not good for your heart. 
Um, and so, yeah, we should be looking at doubling bean consumption and displacing the more harmful stuff in our diets. It's not to say you need to become vegetarian. This is not a campaign for veganism or vegetarianism in any way. It's just rebalancing our diets that is going to be good for people and planet. And beans can be absolutely delicious. I think people think that if they're going to eat beans, it's just a pile of beans, unsalted, no flavoring, and it just kind of turns to mush. But um, there are recipes out there that can really elevate the flavors of some of these different beans and, um, and like you say, make them the star of the plate. And you have some recipes on your website that, that people can, can access as well. Tell us about, about those. Yeah, I mean, what we've, we've developed some kind of bean forward uh, recipes that we're, we're, we're promoting there on the website. But, but more than that, I mean, what you have is there's the hashtag beans is how. If you look on Instagram, Twitter, uh, you name it, all of the social networks, TikTok, um, there with that hashtag, you'll see chefs doing delicious, delicious dishes, right? Uh, as I say, yeah, as, as, as you say, you know, beans can, can be a very strong headline in a, in a dish. And, you know, done right, it's full of flavor. It's fantastic. Um, and, you know, not just beans, lentils. You know, I, I, I've spent, I must admit, I'm kind of up to here with it now, but I made a massive amount of dal, lentil dal over the weekend and I've been eating it basically all week. Um, but it, but absolutely delicious. And, and, um, you know, and then you can, do a big batch and just keep it in your fridge and through the week, eat little bits, put it as a side plate, you know, and things like that. So as I say, it's very, it can be very versatile. Yeah. Yeah. And you're eating beans. Yeah. You're eating this when you're eating, you know, hummus, you're having, you know, hummus with a dip and some vegetables. That's, that's beans and pulses that you're eating there. Uh, you know, so, so it can come in all these different formats. Uh, I, we have a chef here that we, uh, we work with, uh, Who's, who's fantastic, a guy called Luigi. And he's, he's, um, he's created actually a bean ice cream, which was delicious. Um, and also has made bean bread. So cakes and biscuits and bread from bean flour. So, so it even extends to there, you know, bakeries, watch out, get your beans in there. Earthlings. Do you feel more inspired to eat beans now that you've heard from Andy? I know I was. And uh, before you get too overwhelmed, because I know that's how I felt, I was like, oh, my God, now I got to learn how to cook all these beans and new recipes. And uh, before you freak out, calm down. Uh, we're going to put some uh, recipes in the show notes from the Beans is How initiative, and you can start there. And listen, it's all about baby steps, right? We don't have to change your diet completely. Just start substituting uh, some of the meat consumption for bean consumption and see what happens. See what you like. And if you happen to feel inspired enough to make a bean recipe and put it on social media, be sure to tag the Beans is How initiative with the hashtag beans on the menu and also the Earthlings podcast at Earthlings pod. We would love to see what you're making. Speaking of being bean forward, Shirley Bellows restores our faith in humanity this week. She's a Canadian master gardener who may have single-handedly saved the blue jay bean from extinction. She noticed that the blue jay bean was being discontinued from the heirloom seed company that she was accustomed to uh, getting it for her supply. And uh, she asked around and a lot of other people didn't actually 
have many of them. In fact, she thought she might have had, you know, the last biggest stash of seeds for the blue jay bean. So Shirley refused to allow her beloved blue jay bean to become a has-been. So she started making sure that people started growing it and sharing it with as many people as they could. Today, the Blue Jay Bean is sold by about a dozen seed companies in Canada, and her seed saver efforts are being carried out by many unsung green thumbs, quietly stocking their heirloom seeds for the future. We hope that you'll take inspiration from Shirley's story and imagine how you could do one simple thing that you feel passionate about and change the world for this future that we are all collectively attempting to create and make our beautiful blue-green space flower we call home more lovely and enduring. Hey listeners, this show is a part of the Resource Labs Network. It's a curated collective of industry leaders who are accelerating the clean energy transition. If you want to find out more, visit us at resourcelabs.co.